Thanks very much, Anne. Well, I'd like to speak on that passage, Luke 5, and you may like to uh, look it up if you've got a Bible with you or on your phone. Uh, and while people are doing that, how many planes, uh, Anne saw two planes, any advance on two? No, there weren't five, I don't think. <laughs> there were four at least. There was a, there was a plane at the, at the hospital, if you cook, crook, come to cook. There was a plane, the flying doctor plane there. There was a plane behind the um, Aboriginal man preaching out in the bush. There was a, a plane there. Then there was obviously the pilot with the baby and then the, later the engineer. So it just shows you, doesn't it, how you can see a video many times and not see what, don't realise how much is in it. That video is on our Bush Church Aid website. So uh, you may like to, when you're at home on a rainy day, just look at the website, all our people are listed there, what they're doing, potter around the website, look at the video and you'll get a good feel for what we're doing. Well, let's turn now to our sermon and let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us through your word and we pray that you'd open our eyes to understand what you're saying to us now and move our hearts and wills to respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our Bible reading today is such a great story, isn't it? Jesus is standing by the Sea of Galilee, otherwise known as the Lake of Gennesaret, and he's teaching the crowd the word of God. But the people are so eager to hear the word of God that they're pushing in on Jesus and they're crowding him and actually pushing him into the lake. So Jesus comes up with a wonderfully creative solution which is going to help him in more ways than one. There are two fishing boats moored at the water's edge, one owned by Peter and Andrew, the other by James and John. Now they've been fishing all night and now they're cleaning their nets which are laid out along the beach uh, of all that sort of bothersome stuff that gets in nets like bits of shell and reed Depressingly, they haven't caught a thing. Jesus gets into Peter's boat and asks him to put out a little from the shore and then he makes himself comfortable and then he begins to teach the crowd from the boat. And now he's protected from this crowd pushing in on him by this moat of water between the crowd and him. And so I guess the first thing I'd like us to notice from this passage is how hungry this crowd was for the word of God. They were pressing in on Jesus, eager to hear his every word. And I want to ask us this, has our attitude to the word of God become a bit blunted over the pandemic? I know it has for me. We've been distracted, we've, had, we've just been trying to survive often. Many of us have had big changes in our lives that we've had to uh, come to terms with. And many of us need reminding and recommitting to the sort of the core things about what life's about and particularly about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And I'm so grateful that when I first became a Christian, I was encouraged by those who led me to, to Christ to get into the habit of reading the Bible every day. And I'm so glad that God has helped me to do that. And if I miss a few days... I feel like I'm sort of missing out and I'm not healthy, a bit like having bad food. It doesn't really matter how you do it, whether or not you read it um, on your phone or read it with your spouse or with uh, the kids in the big picture story Bible. It's an excellent Bible to use with kids because it 
puts a passage in the whole context of the whole Bible. Um, or maybe you're just like me and you read a chapter a day in a study Bible. And actually the best way is probably to do a variety of things. The point is, just make sure that you're being nourished daily, regularly by the word of God and pray that all of God's people here would be hungry for the word of God. Well, after Jesus had finished teaching the crowd, he turns to Peter and he says, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. You've got to be joking things, Peter. We've been up all night. We've just cleaned the nets, rolled them up, packed the boats up. Those of you who've been boating or fishing know how long that takes. We're tired, we're hungry, we're smelly. All right, because you say so, and only because you say so, we'll do it. And we all know what happens, don't we? They catch such a large number of fish that they have to signal to the other boat to come out and help them. And they fill both boats so full of fish that both boats begin to sink and the nets are so taut that they begin to break. There are fish everywhere. And when Peter sees all this, he realises that Jesus is like no other man. Only someone other could have planned this, could have organised it, could have timed it. And Peter's eyes are opened and he realises, oh, Jesus has done this for me as a lesson for him. And when Peter realises his stubbornness and his grumpiness, he falls at Jesus' feet and says, get away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. He's just like Moses in the desert when God appears to Moses and Moses realises that he's on holy ground. And Peter realises how sinful he is and how he's likely to be consumed by Jesus because of Jesus' holiness. Peter's so unworthy, he fears for his very life. That's why he asked Jesus to get away from him. He fears for his life in terms of being consumed. What a turnaround. What an absolute turnaround. Just a few moments before, Peter would be keeping the boat steady. No doubt he kind of, I, be, I reckon he's probably a bit smug, you know, thinking, oh, how great this is. I'm holding the boat ready for Jesus while he's teaching all this big crowd of people here. Now, interestingly, it's not the first time that Peter has met Jesus. He was actually introduced to Jesus. We discover this from John chapter 1 by his brother Andrew. And Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And one day John the Baptist had pointed out Jesus as he was going past and said, look, there's the Lamb of God. And when Andrew discovered that, he went to Peter as fast as he could and said, you won't believe who I've discovered. I've discovered the Messiah. And now this massive catch of fish after an empty night has lifted the veil on Peter's eyes and he's realised he's in the presence of the Messiah the long look forward to Messiah, the very Lamb of God. 
And I can't help asking us this today. Have our lives been turned around by Jesus? And are we going to pray that God would open our eyes to understand who Jesus really is and that we'd respond in the right way? Sure, he's a great teacher, a great healer. The crowd would have seen that. Lots of people in our society believe that. Oh, he's a good man, Jesus. But he's so much more than that. Now, you may have a sudden realisation like Peter did about who Jesus is, or you may be more like Andrew, who seems like he was a bit more of a seeker. He was sort of searching it out. But in the presence of Jesus, we too should fall at his feet and worship him. All of us should fall at Jesus' feet and worship him, as we sang in our first song. Well, then Jesus says to Peter... Actually, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch people. And Luke tells us that those first disciples packed up their boats, pulled them high up on the beach, like at the end of the season, left everything and followed him. And Luke is amazingly crisp and straightforward. He wastes not a word. And he's obviously challenging his readers, his listeners, to do exactly the same thing. If it's good enough for Peter and Andrew, James and John, those first great disciples and apostles, it's good enough for you, our readers, to leave everything and follow him. You know, when Jesus had finished teaching the crowds that day and then he'd excused them and they went home, had some lunch or something like that, thought, oh, we've seen some interesting healings today, we've heard some good teaching. He hadn't really finished the sermon, though, had he? Because he may have dismissed the crowd. But he wasn't finished with those four men. For them, the most powerful, the most important the most significant part of the sermon was still to come. Because when Jesus said to Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, he was giving him one massive illustration of what the rest of his life was to be. This was to be the end, actually, of their fishing career. Fishing for fish, that is. And it was to be the beginning of a whole new career fishing for people and they were going to catch plenty in a few weeks time we'll celebrate Pentecost when in Jerusalem there there were people gathered from all around the world and at that first sermon that Peter preached 3,000 people became Christians and then not long after 5,000 people Peter the fisherman but first they had to be trained and that training was going to be hard work and it was going to be dangerous. And it was going to be focused because they left everything. They left their wives, their businesses to be with Jesus for three years while he taught them the word of God. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but when you catch fish, they die. And these first disciples, when they themselves were caught by Jesus, died. They died to their old way of life, their old values. 
but they went into a whole new way of life, a new training. And when Jesus later gives them his spirit, they were given a whole new eternal life, so much more wonderful than their old life. But what are you fishing for? What are you fishing for? A nice home and family? A quiet life? <laughs> you know, we've had so much pressures on us. Uh, financial security? Well, those things are often gifts of God, but are they our number one priority? Because if we give our lives to Jesus, like those first disciples, he's going to catch us up in his great rescue plan to reach out to the whole world to make people disciples. And he's going to make all his people fishers of people. Now, the great thing about a fishing boat is that there are all sorts of jobs. And there's a job for everybody. You think about a fishing boat. You need someone who can actually look after the hull. You can look after people who can maintain the engines or the sails. You need people who can navigate the boat. You need people who can actually steer it, keep watch. You need people who can cook. You need people who can sort and clean fish and stack them. But of course, you need people who can actually catch fish. Because all those jobs on a fishing boat, every job works towards one thing, doesn't it? Catching fish. Indeed, there's no space on a fishing boat for anything else. Like, it's not like a cruise ship where, you know, you can go, some people might go off and read, some people go off a little lecture here, or some people play billiards. No, 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 no. On a fishing boat, there's no room for anything else but what is crucial to catching fish. And it's exactly the same with God's church, isn't it? It's exactly the same with God's church. And even our church buildings remind us of this. Many church buildings, including yours actually, has got some planking along it. And what we're in is an upturned boat. We're in the nave. And nave is just a, a, the Latin word for boat. We get the word navel from it, a nautical. And you see, this planking here, I don't know if the, the guys who designed it realised what they were doing, but it's meant to, in many churches... It's meant to remind us that we're in an upturn boat. Actually, we're in an ark because, like Noah, we've gone through judgment because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross a few weeks ago. We're in the business of fishing and we're all in the same boat. And it was lovely to hear Russell talking about the working bee yesterday, wasn't it? Because everybody had different jobs. Some were in the kitchen, some were up here putting up the cross, some were in the garden. There's a job for everybody. And whether or not you're fishing here in Emerald or Emerald in Queensland, quite a large coal mining town, as some of you know, or right across regional Australia or further out in the world, in Indonesia or somewhere, we're all in the business of fishing, of making followers of Jesus, of making disciples of Jesus through the words of Jesus. And I want to challenge you to think, what are the gifts I've got? There's a tendency as you get a bit older in life to think, oh, I've done my bit, you know. It's up to the younger ones now. <laughs> We've all, if God's kept us alive, he's got good works planned for us to do. 
All of us, you know, say hello to people at the supermarket or at the bank or wherever. All of us, you know, are often out in the streets walking our dogs or doing a bit of exercise. All of us can interact with people and pray for people. What are the gifts God's given you? Some people are good gatherers. They can invite people to the kids group or the play group. They ought to Alpha, for instance. Other people are good speakers and teachers. Other people are sort of backyard, back, back room people who sort of keep the finances in, in order. What are the particular gifts that you can contribute to the task of fishing here in Emerald and fishing in rural Australia? Now, being a disciple is costly. It's dangerous and we will be persecuted and the events in the last few years, particularly in Victoria, have shown us that. Indeed, being a disciple costs us our all. Those first disciples, they left everything to follow Jesus. And then they actually saw Jesus crucified. They couldn't understand what was going on. And then they themselves were persecuted as they went out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. But Jesus tells us that those who lose their lives, lives for my sake and the gospel will gain it. And that's my own story and I hope that's the story of those in the room who aren't Christians. Are you like the crowds listening to Jesus beside the Sea of Galilee, hungry for God's word? Hungry for God's word? Has your life like those first disciples been turned around by God's word? Have you become like those first disciples, fishers of people through God's word? Let's pray that God would work in us as individuals, as a congregation, to make us fishers of people, shall we? Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to meet together in person and also online for those of us who are online. Please, dear Lord, make us hungry for your word. We were reminded last night how it is the most precious thing on earth, your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would turn us around through your word, that we'd be keen to submit to it and to transform our lives through your spirit into a way that pleases you through your word. And dear Lord, please train us to be fishers for people. Give us wisdom as to what particular gifts you've given us and use us, both individuals and as congregation, to reach out into this community here in Emerald and further afield to actually catch fish for you. In Jesus' name, amen.